Welcome to In China with Michelle Zhou. Manufacturers have long known China to be a leader in their industry, but now the world is recognizing China as a business center for companies, market traders, education, and artists. It's no wonder that the economy has grown to be the world's second largest. In our program, you'll learn from the thought leaders and professionals who have lived in both the U.S. and China and continue to do business there. Now, here is your host, Michelle Zhou. Welcome, everyone. It's so great having you here today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou, and I'm your host, Michelle. I'm the founder and the CEO of Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. We help American and Chinese organizations learn from each other, bridge their needs, and grow their businesses internationally. You can contact me at our company website, ptcgconsulting.com. Make sure to click on the links in my show link, or you can email me at michelle.zou at ptcgconsulting.com. And as always, I welcome you to connect me on LinkedIn. Today we have Michael Rodding with me on this show. He is the managing partner for Cross Border Advisory, and we are going to talk about opportunities for advanced enterprise solutions in China. So, welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you, Michelle. It's great to be here. And yeah, you and I know each other for many years since we were in Microsoft, and you were my boss.、Oh. <laughs> and you were a great team member. <laughs> Thank you. I think of just maybe starting with your history. Tell our audience a little bit more about yourself. I know you spent years in China and Japan. Then you know your work have many years that relates to China. So, give us a little bit more about your background. Sure,、please. absolutely. Well, I spent a total of 16 years at Microsoft, and the first five years I was mainly focused on helping Microsoft move into the enterprise、uh, and making sure our technology can be used in a strategic way by enterprises. So, I ended up running the、uh, industry solutions and marketing organization、um, before I. Um, went to China, and then I was asked to take on the responsibility as president of Microsoft in Greater China, based in Beijing. Spent three years doing that and loved every minute of it. And、uh, when was that? And that was in 1998 through 2001. Whoa, that's that was many years ago. Many years, years ago. Twenty years ago. Yeah, I came to the U.S. in 1998. Okay, and that's when you went to yes, China. Yes, and you were very young then. I'm sure. Oh yes. <laughs> And、uh, then I spent four years in Tokyo, where I managed the Microsoft Japan business for two years, and also I was the corporate vice president of Microsoft Asia Pacific for two years. So my experience in in Asia is deep in China, deep in Japan, and also a lot of experience in the rest of the region. And you speak Chinese and Japanese, right? Uh, I speak conversational Chinese. My Japanese is not as good, but I understand it pretty well. Uh huh. Yes, Japanese is very difficult gram- grammatically. I find <laughs> Chinese is more manageable. Uh huh. Well, Chinese is one of those very difficult language to learn, but you did pretty well. Yeah, I'm always very impressed by you. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we met after you came back, and、uh, I was in your team at that time. It's called Animated Potential Group, 
and you were the vice president leading that group of、uh, helping those countries that、uh, are not as as advanced as、uh, Western Europe and the U.S. to grow their business and to get、uh, Microsoft solutions. Yeah, to change people's life. That's why we call that it was unlimited. Yes, <laughs> unlimited potential. Yeah.、Uh, so after that,、uh, what happened? Tell us a little bit more about your life and career. Well, I ended up leaving Microsoft in 2009 after spending four years helping incubate solutions and business models in emerging markets through the Unlimited Potential Group. And I've spent the last eight years、uh, doing a combination of consulting, advisory, investment, and serving on boards. I did join Spencer Stewart, which is a leading global. Uh, executive recruiting and leadership advisory firm, and spent four years with them, helping global clients find talent and develop their leadership capability. But I left them in the last year, and now I've turned my attention back full time to Asia, and specifically China, where I'm helping U.S. technology companies both enter and expand in that market. And also, my goal is is very much focused on helping Chinese companies as they become world leaders in solutions and technology here in the U.S. market.、Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, we have our missions aligned because I'm also trying to help U.S. companies to grow business in China and vice versa. Chinese companies to learn from the Western world, especially U.S. Yeah. The other thing that we also spend quite some time together on is the Washington State China Relations Council. I remember you introduced me to that council, and now I'm a board member there. And you were the chairman in that council, heavily involved, <laughs> spending a lot of time there. Yeah. So I think that's just tells us about the mission, right? Why we come to work and why we enjoy doing so much this cross-border business. Yeah. Okay. Now let's go back to the topic we are trying to address today. As in the introduction, I mentioned that we want to talk about opportunities for advanced enterprise solutions in China. And why do you want to focus on this topic today specifically? I think this is a very exciting area, both from a U.S. perspective and a Chinese perspective. Let's start with the Chinese perspective. What we know now is that China is no longer a low-wage, manufacturing-centric,、uh, infrastructure-centric economy, but is making a fundamental shift towards becoming an innovation leader. And a balanced service and consumption economy, and also is very aggressively now expanding from an industry perspective globally. So that need for innovation, that need to be competitive globally, and also the really, really competitive environment in the local Chinese market、uh, means that CEOs for Chinese companies have to be very savvy and advanced. Users of information technology、mm-hmm. that has become fundamental, and I think when you go to China and you talk to CEOs, they recognize that. In the U.S. side, we are fortunate in that we, over the last forty years, have had specialized companies building software solutions that are deeply oriented around the specific 
problems, business processes, and opportunities that different industrial segments represent. And those companies have continued to advance their technology. And now with the wide acceptance and deployment of cloud-based infrastructure, it's easier, more easy than ever for them to have that technology be utilized in other markets. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a tremendous win-win opportunity for U.S.-based industry-specific software companies to work with partners in China to adapt their solutions for the specific and unique needs of the Chinese customers, and in doing so, to help Chinese companies and their CEOs become more competitive globally and in the domestic market. Mm. And I'll just give you a couple of examples. I just returned from two weeks in China and Japan. I had an opportunity to talk to a lot of different companies. And one of the organizations that I'm working with here in the U.S. has created a advanced wearables platform based on IoT technology with sensors and electronics and software that helps uh, organizations provide monitoring and compliance for senior citizens who are suffering from uh, chronic diseases and other ailments on a remote basis. Mm -hmm. China shares the, the fundamental problem or situation with the U.S. in that it's, an, it's a quickly aging society. Yeah, and China has a, one more issue is with that family policy being implemented from the late 70s to 20, I forgot, 2015. And, you know, <laughs> many years, the whole generation of people that one adult, not raised, right, needs to support, support yeah, for, <laughs> for agents, parents. yeah, parents. Yeah, so that's... It's very tricky, and I would say the third issue that China faces is that it still is underrepresented from a population perspective in clinics and clinicians. And so there is a real, real need to be able to deliver health care, uh, particularly to aging populations, remotely. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, that's an area where there's some tremendous innovation happening here that we can hopefully partner with the right partners in China to deliver. Mm. A second example, just to switch industries for a moment, is advanced manufacturing. The Chinese government is super clear about the importance of advanced manufacturing in the overall competitiveness of the Chinese economy. And whereas in the past, Chinese manufacturing companies could rely on a lower cost labor pool uh, and other lower cost inputs like land and what have you, that's no longer the case. Now they have much higher wage workers. Uh, land is very expensive in China. Chinese have to be utilizing the most advanced technologies in their manufacturing processes. Mm -hmm. I'm working with a Seattle-based company, as it turns out, that has built a layer of software on top of all of the existing manufacturing control systems that are out there to provide real-time analytics to engineers, to management teams, and to uh, plant managers. Mm. And those real-time analytics enable efficiency in the cost side 
and also the ability to spot new opportunities uh, for more effective manufacturing. A great win-win opportunity as well.、Mm. So from these examples, what I heard is. Uh, on one side, because U.S., you know, here we have more advanced technologies through history, through all these past forty years. So there are some great technologies and、uh, solutions already built. And then in China, because they're catching up on those industries and the way of information being handled, now there's the big need of having solutions to advance how people do things before. So you see the good match of on one side has the solutions, on the other side has the needs. Then you are working in the middle, identifying the solutions and help to bring it to China and help the customers in the China side to fulfill their need. Yes, I would say there's one more piece in the puzzle,、mm-hmm. and that's the partnership with Chinese technology companies. Uh huh. Because even though in many industries the needs are very similar, the processes are different. The way in which those needs are being solved is different, and the regulations are different. And、yep. so,、uh, it's critically important for U.S. companies to find the right partners to adapt those solutions and make them acceptable to local Chinese customers. And that's something that we work very, very hard on, and、uh, we think is critical.、Mm. So it's not just something you can take it and then you can just plug in and play. There's a, another layer of work to adapt it to really fit the Chinese customers' specific needs. That's right.、Uh-huh. That's right. And、uh, with the now the emergence of cloud-based technology, however, it's easier to make those adaptations and、uh, deploy the technology locally.、Mm-hmm. Yep, totally makes sense. I think it's time to take a quick break, and we will be back soon. Are you interested in expanding your business to China, but don't know how to start? Are you wondering how to grow your sales in the China market and win over competition? Meet Michelle Zhou and her team at Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. Our consultants are U.S.-China experts and have all lived and worked in both the U.S. and China, with many years' experience in market entry strategies, management, and execution. We can help you find the right partners, develop opportunities, and grow your business in China. Please visit ptcgconsulting.com today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting dot com. Now back to this week's program. All right, we're back. So before the break, Michael, you and I talked a little bit about your history of working with China and working in China, and what you are doing today, right? And the opportunities you have seen that、uh, in China, the need of those、uh, very advanced、uh, industry solutions and the capabilities of、uh, like U.S. where we are living,、uh, those tech companies having produced. So you are the bridge. You are in the middle trying to match the. Solutions with the needs, 
And you also mentioned the, the other piece of the puzzle, which is the Chinese tech company to really customize and make adaptive solution to the Chinese customers. So uh, maybe we can go a little bit deeper on this. Why there's a, you know the need for this adaption here? The third piece you just mentioned, why it is needing there? Sure. Well, maybe we take one example, which again is in the healthcare space. I think that you have sort of three very, very different dynamics working in China. One is you, it, healthcare in every country in the world is highly regulated. Yes. The government is very involved, as it should be. And so you have to make sure you understand what the local regulations are, are and laws are for delivering healthcare. And, um, and for that, you need the right kind of advice and partnership. Uh, the second thing is the infrastructure. You know, the infrastructure in healthcare right now in China is very different. The density of clinics, clinicians, and hospitals relative to the population is low. And so you have to make sure you understand how you can deliver a solution that can be successful in helping patients when there's a, a lower percentage of, of clinicians and clinics available. Right. That part, uh, I can talk a little bit more on help to paint a picture for yes. our audience. Because uh, in China, when people have uh, some issues, right, health issues, most likely people will go to those uh, big hospitals. <laughs> Unlike in the U.S., I go to my family doctor or clinic, which I have worked uh, through the past 10, 20 years, right? The doctor stay there forever. <laughs> they know me pretty well and they have my history there. And it's just, uh, you know, every year uh, annual checkup and uh, small things I go there. Then they refer me to hospital if needed. But in China, it's like um, whatever small things, uh, have a cold or uh, have a little pain somewhere. Then we all go to the hospital and waiting in line, uh, get a like a registration, then go to, and you tell, the, the thing is, I would tell the uh, people who are working in that registration, telling them, oh, I want to see a doctor who are uh, specialized in like um, in bones, in some part of the body, or in eyes, then they send me to that <laughs> part. It's very different. Very different, Yeah, yes. yeah. So that, definitely I see the infrastructure associated is. Totally different. Yes, and I think the other point, and thanks for painting that picture, is that uh, often when you have a chronic issue, whether it's a neurological disease like Parkinson's, or you've had a knee replacement because you have a bad knee, or you have had a stroke, mm -hmm. and these are things that happen to elderly patients all the time, uh, there is the important work that happens in the hospital, but the much more important work happens afterwards mm. because you have to utilize rehabilitation successfully. And that's done at home. And now uh, with remote monitoring technology, uh, it makes it possible for clinicians and family members in particular to make sure that the elderly person is indeed getting their rehab in doing their exercises, taking their medications, all of those things that are critical for them to get healthy again and remain healthy. 
Mm, I think uh, rehabbing is a relatively new concept in China. I have one person I met before, and he really wants to bring the U.S. best practices on rehabilitation to China, and I think that's one piece we see is missing from today's Medicare or or the healthcare ecosystem in China. That's right, and if you wanted to replicate the U.S. system, you'd need Hundreds and thousands of rehab clinicians, and you'd need tens of thousands of clinics, and that may happen, but it'll take a long time. What is exciting is the opportunity for technology、mm-hmm. to provide rote, remote monitoring and guidance, and for that technology to serve the patient through a very simple、uh, phone or watch-based application. To serve the clinician in the way of a dashboard, what are all my patients doing? Are they are they following their exercise regime? And to provide information to my family members,、mm. whether it's my children or my brother or someone. And that's you know a perfect example of taking the innovation in sensor technology, electronics, and cloud-based software, bringing that together. Building a specific scenario, let's say it's knee rehab or stroke rehab, and then delivering it through the existing infrastructure in the Chinese healthcare system.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see the point of needing to adapt,、uh, changing whatever the software solution is built here, but the core is the same. Yeah, the core technology is the same, but it needs to be able to fit in that China environment. Yeah. And you know, I'm going to continue on this example for one more moment, if I may, because I want to talk about an area where China is much more advanced than the U.S.、Mm-hmm. and how we can still utilize the underlying technology from the U.S. and that is in the delivery of mobile、mm. uh, healthcare. You know, now whether it's、uh, Tencent or it's、uh, Pingan, Hao Yisheng. Uh, you have these huge consumer internet companies that have internet platforms and mobile applications to provide healthcare information and remote consultation with doctors to Chinese patients. Something that we really don't have here at that scale. Taking advantage of that advancement, again, we can utilize this underlying system that I've been talking about. To make sure that that remote care is that much more effective.、Mm-hmm. Yep, China kind of leaped through those、uh, the era of having all these uh, broadband, uh, you know, everywhere. It just、uh, go directly to the mobile <laughs> mobile internet, and、uh, with everybody has one or two mobile smartphones in their pocket, and <laughs> people are using all kinds of apps.、Uh, I think、uh, that's just compared. The speed. If we compare the speed of how much, how fast Chinese consumers adapt this mobile internet, as well as the different applications, and including the mobile payments, right, on their phone,、Absolutely. versus the rest of the world, yeah, that's really、uh, just something phenomenal. Really, and I, I think Michael, you pointed out,、uh, we can utilize this type of infrastructure, so we would be able to help、uh, Chinese. Consumers to use those technologies. That's right. City, yeah. I mean, telehealth will take off much more quickly in China than it will in the U.S. because their physical infrastructure is not in place. 
and the mobile infrastructure is in place. Mm -hmm. uh, and we need to understand that and see if we can't apply some of the specific know-how of the health sector to support that. Mm -hmm. So you talked about the government regulations, you talked about the infrastructure differences. What else? I think you have the third point. Well, the third point is really about local competition. Mm -hmm. um, the Chinese IT industry is exploding. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a tremendous amount of venture capital flowing. Uh, there's you know, huge numbers of, of uh, entrepreneurs that are starting new companies, and it's a very competitive market. And if you have a solution that is not differentiated or not defensible from an IP standpoint or doesn't have the full end-to-end -end capability, then it's often very easy for a Chinese competitor to not only uh, develop that solution but to do it more quickly and in a more advanced way. And so you have to be very, very thoughtful. And in terms of local competition, I think you need to think about three things. One is you need to think about the unique combination of hardware, software, and business process. Hmm. And if you have all those three things working in concert, then it's usually harder to develop from uh, another competitor. Uh, number two is you need a, a very strong local partner who has very strong relationships with local governments, who can make sure that your technology is uh, positioned appropriately and is defended. And the third is, you know, you need to have advanced IP that is well protected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, many of the company I have worked with, they have probably the technology part, right? Their core competence is the technology, and uh, they on one side, they believe their technology can really, you know, many people believe their technology is really important and uh, can change the world or change people's life, right? They have the passion about that. But on the other side, uh, I think the part that is missing from many of the American companies that are trying to go to China is the type of understanding of working with the Chinese customers. And some people even don't know a lot about uh, even don't think much about working with the government. Yeah, so I think that's the piece really uh, is missing from uh, a lot of tech companies in the U.S. trying yes. to go to China. You know, and I'm glad you brought that point up because the other thing that I think is extremely valuable if delivered correctly to Chinese customers and government is what I would call process know-how. So it's one thing to have the underlying technology. It's another thing to understand how to effectively apply that technology and how to evolve your business processes to get the most out of that technology. And in my experience in China, when we work with customers, we really made a breakthrough when we had our engineers that understand how to apply the technology spend deep time Mm -hmm. with the engineers on the customer side and really say, okay, how are we going to deploy this solution in your environment to make you be successful? And I think that is something that can't be easily replicated mm -hmm. by another company if they don't have the years and years and years of know-how process. Mm. 
Then how do you help customers in a more specific way, right? I kind of understand that you identify one side the solution and the other side the customer needs, then you help bridge this and then need to bring in the third piece, <laughs> the, the China local technical partners, right? But uh, uh, maybe use an example and uh, give us a little bit more details on how you identify the opportunities, identify the solutions. How did you make things happen? <laughs> yeah, I think about it in three way in three steps mm-hmm. um, along the continuum, and then I have two horizontal things that I try and provide to my clients throughout the process. Mm-hmm. The first step is understanding the market, deep market analysis, and uh, coming up with a specific market strategy for your solution. What, how should you approach the market? Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be very honest, in some cases, that step determines that you shouldn't. It probably doesn't make sense. It may not be profitable. Mm. But once you make that decision, then you have what I call the market cultivation phase. And market cultivation is a combination of doing a really good job with localized content, communicating the value of your solution to thought leaders. You're a thought leader. You need to communicate to thought leaders on the ground to help them understand why your solution can help you know, their customers and that market. Mm-hmm. You also need to establish and cultivate relationships with partners and early stage customers to first test uh, the viability of your solution uh, on the ground and to make sure you have partners that can effectively adapt and implement it. So that's part of the cultivation process. And the third is you have to really understand the role of the local government as well as the role of the related ministry and the central government uh, and why your solution not only helps individual companies but supports the broader needs of Chinese society and the Chinese uh, economic development. So, so we need to go to that level, right? And not just a specific one company to come. No, you have to think to about the, the broader, uh, broader. Uh, broader needs. And so that's the market cultivation stage, and that's what we call the bootstrapping. Once that momentum starts to get established, then you need to land and expand. Mm-hmm. And landing and expanding is all about the combination of, of having the right people, the right organizational structure, and the right communication processes between the team in China and the team back in headquarters. And I've been fortunate in my career where I've both managed the local team and I've managed the global team. And I've seen all of the difficulties in communication. And I've also helped hire local team members, both Myself and also when I worked for Spencer Stewart and helped think about organizational structures. And, you know, the thing that you have to realize if you're a USHQ headquarters is that the market in China is both big enough and complex enough that you have to support unique structure and unique approaches. And if you're not willing to do that, uh, then you probably shouldn't be there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is very complex and uh, not something that, uh, you know, one or two months, then you can get uh, all these things laid out and uh, hit and run. Yeah. 
It needs to be have the patience to, as you mentioned, the bootstrapping piece, right? A lot of analysis,、uh, strategize, and then cultivating, preparing before really just、uh, hit the ground. And all of those stages, particularly the bootstrapping and the land and expand, take longer than you would imagine.、Mm. And so they do require the, exactly the patience that you just described. Okay. All right. So let's take another quick break, and、uh, we will continue our conversation. China is now the second largest economy in the world. There are hundreds of opportunities for worldwide business professionals to start looking in China. From business leaders to manufacturers to artists and students, you need to discover these opportunities to grow your business and your career. Listen every week for In China with Michelle Zhou, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For business sake, you need to tune in. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting dot com. Now back to this week's program. All right, now we're back again. So, Michael, you just mentioned.、Uh, With that one example, the China market is very complex. It is big, but it's not that easy. <laughs> and then we live in the U.S., and the U.S. market is also very big. And the you know running business probably is a lot more familiar for the American companies here. Then why would those companies you know take all this troubles trying to get to China? And in the meantime, we have observed a lot of. Companies have been there. Some of the U.S. companies have been there. Then they, after some years, they are not very successful, right? And some left China. <laughs> they, they decided, okay,、uh, you know, I give up. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, fundamentally, we're talking about currently the world's biggest economy, and in the very near future, the world's biggest economy in the U.S. and China. And so, from a global perspective, these two countries will. Really set the tone and lead the world going forward. And there's a tremendous amount of innovation happening in both places. And if you just let that innovation stay in your home market, then the broader society doesn't get to benefit from it. I think collaboration between the U.S. and China in all different areas is fundamentally important for. Our future here in the U.S. and for Chinese people, and so I think that the the difficulties are there, but the opportunity and the need is quite significant.、Mm-hmm. So you are looking at the overall human society, not just one company、uh, to survive or have making money from that level, right? That's、yeah. right, and we can, and we should, and we ought to be learning from each other in both directions. And if we do that well, both countries. Thrive, but also it sets the stage for a better global society. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that leads me to think about another phenomenon we have seen today. For example, you know, Trump. <laughs> right, focus on U.S. first and the protective this we have seen, especially in the technology industry. And we are also seeing what happens at ZTE, a Chinese company, breached the. Agreement <laughs>、uh, and got a lot of trouble there. So then, looking at、uh, the the thought you have, right, as a global leader, and from both sides, we want to get both countries, both sides thrive. Yeah, I'm curious about your personal thought of this phenomenon or the trend or the tone that is setting here today in the U.S. <laughs> yes. Well, the tone and the direction is very dangerous from my perspective because we're both very large economies, large countries with very specific interests. There will naturally be areas where we disagree. There will naturally be areas of conflict.、Uh, there will naturally be areas where one country is concerned about the behavior of the other, and that is going to continue. That is not going to go away. Uh, but if we do that in the spirit of、uh, mutual collaboration, mutual benefit, then I think we all will gain. If we do that in the spirit of negative tone and、uh, one side wins and the other side loses, then both sides will lose. There's just no question about that. I do think there are some fundamental concerns that U.S. companies that are in China operating today do have. And those should be addressed in a constructive fashion.、Uh, the current path that our president is on and our administration is on is on is not constructive and is not helpful. When I talk to business people,、mm-hmm. investors, technology people in both countries, the interest and desire and willingness to cooperate is still super high. And so we need to keep that in mind and keep showing great examples of trust building and building successful win-win relationships.、Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think your point is really think from the win-win perspective versus the win-lose, right? Yeah, exactly.、Mm-hmm. Well, I want to switch gear because I'm curious about your life after you know from a. Corporate executive, the corporate VP type of a high level, right?、Uh, in big companies like Microsoft, then become running your own advisory business.、Uh, what are the difference, and what you like and don't like? Yeah, it is a very different existence now. <laughs> and I would say what I like about my current life is I do like the flexibility. I do like the fact there's not. A lot of internal meetings and bureaucracy, <laughs>、uh, and taking、meetings. a long time to make a decision. At the same time, when you work for a great company like Microsoft, you're surrounded by very smart people. You're surrounded by really interesting ideas, and you get to do things that have a very scaled impact. I can't help though, but thinking that the the world of the big Monolithic corporation as we knew it is changing pretty dramatically, and I think you're going to have a world where people are working more autonomously, and they're going to come together effectively using technology to collaborate on very important large projects, 
And then as that project goes to another phase, people are going to move on. Mm. And so I love the fact that I'm working now in a mode that is more consistent with where the future of work and productivity is going to happen. Uh, I think it's going to be an exciting few years to come. Mm. Yeah, I totally see the trend. That's uh, project-based and uh, very dynamic. When there's a need, then uh, different experts get together and work on it, collaborate together, right? And when that work is done, then we all, you know, go to other projects. Yeah, it's more. Uh, a lot of consultants are working this way today. That's right. Yeah, yeah. On the other side, I also agree with you on the platform that large companies provide, like Microsoft. I remember when I joined your team, this unlimited potential group. At that time, I was totally, you know, I was very touched by the mission of that group at that time because I heard about that group, learned about it through those big company meetings when I still remember today when we had uh, invited our customers I think one gentleman from Africa or somewhere and he went to the stage he talked about uh, how Microsoft technologies and the products helped him change his life and then he was able to have a had a family and uh, really you know living a very decent life right he was very proud and at that time I was totally touched and I learned, oh, that's the work from that unlimited potential group, you know, really taking the technology and enable it in a way that even emerging markets can afford, can use it without high-speed broadband, right, those kind of thing. Then I went to your team. I really wanted to join that team. Yeah, yeah. So I think that part totally, I think it says the, the core competence of large corporate and especially tech companies. Yes, yes. There is importance in scale in bringing large resources to bear on big problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not going to wet, going to go away. But I think uh, increasingly those teams are going to be more made up of uh, individual autonomous units <laughs> as opposed to employees that are going to be in a specific company for many, many years. And I think that's what you and I are both doing right now. Uh, So we're showing the future of work, and we're also hopefully demonstrating the future of collaboration between China and the U.S. Yep, I will see you from time to time and collaborate from time to time on projects. And so glad to have you here today. I want to thank you for your time and for your sharing with our audience. I believe everybody will find it uh, very helpful. I also want to thank our audience for being here, have another session together with me. And today we have talked about opportunities for advanced enterprise solutions in China. On behalf of our audience, send a special thank you to our guest, Michael Rodin. And you can find more about Michael Rodin from LinkedIn. His last name is R-A-W-D-I-N-G. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. I look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you for tuning into In China with Michelle Zhou. 
Please join us for another edition next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again next week. 